0: Hey, everybody. Good morning or good afternoon. Whenever time you're listening to this, it might be good evening. While you're social distancing, I'm happy that you've uh, decided to listen to I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson. Yeah, that's me. Uh, we're on Market Scale Radio, and uh, that's uh, every Friday morning at 930 Central Time. Uh, find us at marketscale.com. Look for I Don't Care And then you can even follow us on Spotify or iTunes. Uh, We're uh, pretty uh, excited about that, too. So if you can't listen live, uh, pick us up anytime. You know, love to have you subscribe to the podcast. Um, You know, it's kind of hard to be uh, upright and uh, upbeat and peppy uh, during uh, this COVID-19 pandemic. A uh, lot of folks are doing a lot of phenomenal work and I just want to give an extra special shout out to all, of my, uh, all my colleagues, particularly all the, all the doctors and nurses and techs and uh, rad techs and lab techs and uh, therapists and everybody that's on the front line uh, who's, who are caring for folks who uh, have tested positive for COVID and who are in the hospitals or the clinics. You know, taking care of them while they're sitting at home, uh, you know, trying to weather the storm. You know, uh, I'm proud to be a part of you. Even though I'm a non-clinician, I'm really proud to be a part of of what you do each and every day. Uh, so today's show, we've um, hey, we're talking about COVID-19. That's a surprise. Uh, I've got a good friend of mine, another Baylor bear, of course. Uh, My friend Cody Sable is going to be talking to us. He's going to talk to us about a couple of different topics. Uh, Cody's going to talk to us about uh, long-term care. He's got a a loved one that's in a long-term care facility. And uh, he's going to talk about kind of their experiences with that during the COVID-19 pandemic. And then Cody also owns uh, his own small business. And so he's going to share with us a little bit about the insights on what he's dealing with and some of the things that he's heard from his other small business uh, colleagues in, in East Texas where he's from. So when we come back, uh, we'll be talking with my good friend Cody Savel on I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson. Okay, and we're back with I Don't Care and uh, my guest tonight is my good friend Cody Saville. Say hi, Cody. Hey, how are
1: y'all today? <laughs>
0: you know, I've asked Cody to be on the show for a couple of reasons. Well, of course, the first reason all my listeners know, of course, Cody's a Baylor bear as well. So, you know, we like to promote all the Baylor folks on our show. Uh, number two, sick Cody's em. got sick there you go. <laughs> you know, and, and and Cody's got a cut we've got a couple of topics that I want to talk to Cody about. Uh, you know, kind of wide ranging. Um, the first one is about his experience and, and the experience of a loved one in a long-term care facility at this time. And then we'll, uh, we'll kind of transition into that later in the, in the podcast to, uh, Cody is a small business owner. He owns, uh, Bad Bear Roofing, uh, in East Texas and, uh, you know, a little shout out to Bad Bear. I've used them. They do a great job, but, uh, but we'll talk about small business owner impact too. And so, um, Cody. First of all, you know, let's talk about the long-term care situation that your loved ones uh, going through. Tell tell us a little bit about your loved one and kind of the issues that they faced before COVID even came to be.
1: Okay, she she is a dementia patient, and it about in 1995 she had a brain aneurysm, and when she recovered from that, which she shouldn't have done. Uh, she came out of, we used to say she was about 80 to 90% of where she was before that, but she lived a fairly normal life for years. And then, uh, about five years ago, we sold her house and moved her into, uh, independent living. And then from there, about three years later, we started moving her to assisted living. And now the facility she's in is memory care.
0: Okay. Okay, that's kind of the typical transition for folks who who are experiencing memory issues. You know, you first, you know, you try that independent living for as long as you can and then into an assisted living and then, you know, kind of a general long-term care facility. And then finally, unfortunately, they have to go into memory care where they've got a lot more, uh, there's a lot more attention paid to them because so many things can happen. Um, So, you know, now that that COVID-19 has hit, um, you know, I know healthcare facilities are, have over just, even over the last few days have shut down the, uh, the opportunity for folks to come in and visit, um, uh, uh, you know, either residents on long-term care facility or, or in the case of hospitals, patients, uh, you know, it's difficult certainly for, for all concerned. It's, it's tough on the, on the resident patient. It's tough on the family as well, who are typically used to going by, you know multiple times a week and and oftentimes every day uh so you know f- I, first thing I will say is man i you know I'm, I'm sorry for what what for what you and your family are having to go through. I'm sorry for what your loved ones having to go through, but you know right now in this uncertainty with covid nineteen it's kind of a it's it's a real necessity you know uh many of the of the towns in Texas have started uh you know, what they're calling is uh, shelter in place, basically keeping people in their homes unless they have to go out for for groceries or food or, or you know, if they're an essential worker in an essential uh, industry, uh, they get to go out for that. So but uh, but, you know, tell us a little bit about how the long term care facility has been communicating with you during this time of, of COVID-19.
1: Part, part of it, and and whether it's memory care or whatever kind of facility she's been in, we have found care to be a little bit lacking. They'll tell you up front exactly what they think they can do. And then the reality is I don't think anybody can hire enough people. So we ha- we have actually had sitters that one that comes and is with her, all day during the day and one that comes at night and they pass each other off that way, If because she is a definite fall risk. Uh, she's had several falls and, and it's been a really tough situation. Well, with COVID-19, they disallowed the sitters as well. And now, right now, they're allowing them back in. We don't know for how long, but they're considering them a medical necessity and that's how they're getting around that that's one of the pieces of language in the in the uh new directive is that if something is medically necessary then they can allow it so yeah
0: that's that's correct that's correct well and and as you said you know not only uh is she a fall risk i mean there's always that that risk with with memory care patients of uh, of elopement really trying to get out uh, and that's why unfortunately those facilities have to be secured uh, and so uh, so so tell me a little bit about uh, you know how are your sitters dealing with this this uh, you know this environment having to go into a facility that's effectively on lock now uh,
1: they're they're pretty good with it actually we have two sitters that We've just fallen in love with, they take tremendous care of her and, and what it took to get them back in there was her to take a nasty spill. Unfortunately. Yeah. And unfortunately, when, when they realized that they just can't be there 24 seven, but our sitters can, uh, it, it, that's where the medical necessity came in. But the facility Actually, we'll contact like if she's had a fall or if she's had a disruption or we call them dementia episodes. She'll, yeah. uh, as many dementia patients do, uh, there are sometimes anger issues or lashing out. It's just part of the disease and and they always have to report and let us know what's going on. But it's been very difficult because there's a full-time nurse on staff. Mm-hmm. Plus, we have a physician and it's usually his PA or nurse practitioner that makes the rounds. And so the communication to get all the way back to the doctor or from the doctor all the way back to us has been a vicious circle that's sometimes difficult to complete.
0: Yeah. Well, and and you've hit on a couple of topics that long-term care facilities have to deal with even when COVID-19 is is not in full swing. And that is, you know very, very low margins. Uh, and so oftentimes they don't have the adequate capital or the adequate funding to uh, to keep their facilities in tip-top shape, but also they don't have the adequate funding to, to bring in uh, enough staff. And there's tremendous amount of turnover in the long-term care facilities. I spent a couple of years uh, in that world. And so uh, you know, it's it's difficult, but it, it's such a necessary uh, level of care for our folks. You know, many other countries, certainly, you know, they uh, they do they they care for their elderly in different ways. Some, you know, are steadfastly, you know, we'll keep them in our homes no matter what and have multi generational fo- uh, homes. But, you know, here in America, that's that's really difficult for for the vast majority of people because people are working and, and, and really, and truly the, the memory care patients just have so many medical complications that, that you've got to have that nursing care. So, um, so, you know, we've talked a little bit about the communication, just you know, talk to me about the impact on on you and your family during during this whole thing about you know not being able to physically communicate with your loved
1: one. Well, and and we can actually call her and FaceTime her. She's got her cell phone there, and with the sitters in the room, they they can help her get get a FaceTime call going or uh, make sure she answers her call or returns the call to the right person, but. You hit on something a minute ago. One of the toughest things has been the turnover in the workers there because we had been able to talk to and, quote, unquote, let them know what some of her special needs are. Well, not all of those people are still there, and we have not had the ability to be able to visit with them. We try to run it down the chain, but, but the chain is is only as good as its weakest link. Yeah, that's exactly right.
0: Well, you know, and and back to to the turnover, I mean, you know, even before this occurred, you know, turnover was high for a wide variety of things. A lot of it, frankly, is just the difficulty of the work and, and unfortunately the low pay in many instances. But now... You throw in something, you know, a, a pandemic that nobody really knows anything about. And, and there's a lot of people uh, who are who are really scared about this. And so for somebody who is working in a long term care facility, that that might be their first exposure to the healthcare care arena. Uh, you know, they may just wake up one morning and say, hey, it's not worth it for my family.
1: Uh, right. And for and, me to go in. And some of the concerns that we have You know the the initial first eleven deaths in the U.S. were out of a out of a nursing facility up in Kirkland, Washington. That's right. That's right. And and what scares us is we know what's happening when everybody's there, but they come and go. We don't know who they're in contact with when they're in the outside world, and and what kind of stipulations they have on the. On the life that that they're living in the real world outside of work. Yeah. So that's a, that's always a definite concern.
0: Yeah, and, uh, no, no, you, you're definitely right about the whole situation up in Kirkland, Washington. Uh, you know, looking at the numbers today, it looks like Washington's kind of they're they, they're getting close to the peak if they haven't hit it because you know I, I know this is a terrible barometer, but I see their deaths really reducing on a daily basis. Uh, the number of deaths per day, I should say, but uh, but yeah, and, and I also heard that there were you know in another nursing facility or in a nursing facility up in Washington State that uh, close to fifty of their workers tested positive. I'm not saying it's the same nursing home, but you know that's just uh, unfortunately kind of the nature of the beast. And, and so, uh, but uh, any anything else that that you know you you and your family have had to deal with uh,
1: just because of this? Basically, I, I I know that it's it's one of the toughest things. Is you know they're there at that age that you don't know how much longer they're going to live. One one fall could do them in. Yeah. And yeah. to think that we may have seen her for the last time is is one of the toughest things.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, that's incredibly devastating that 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 could be the case. Absolutely. Well, uh, let's shift gears a little bit and, and let's talk about you know, uh, like I said up front, you're a small business owner in East Texas, and my gosh, COVID nineteen has certainly taken a toll on on even the largest of corporations in our company in our country. But you know, you as a small business
1: owner, you know, it, it, it it's pretty tough for you on a daily basis, isn't it? Uh, I have to be very careful and thank goodness technology has come to the point i'm in i'm in roofing and construction but the vast majority of it is roofing i can i can get a call from somebody here at the house or at the office and know that that i can measure the roof via satellite i can uh get an estimate done without ever leaving the house if I need to, but I usually like to go lay an eye on it, but I'll call the customers and say, y'all just stay inside. I'll be by, I want to walk around on the roof, make sure it's just one layer, whatever the the situation is to make sure I get them an accurate number. Then I can get a number for them. We can scan and email contracts, get them signed, scan back, uh, all they got to do is leave a check in an envelope under the front door. Not more, and, and I'm carrying, <laughs> I've got, I, I'm one of these guys that used to just do nothing. And now I've got gloves, uh, antibacterial wipes. and Yeah, and masks, everything else. A, everything man. in the truck. And just for the times that, I know, and every time I get in and out of the truck, I'm wiping the door handle, wiping the steering wheel, yeah. wiping my phone, wiping... Just to make sure, I, I happen to be one of those people that has a an immunocompromised wife. She had cancer 10 years ago, and her immune system is down, and her lungs are the first place that anything goes, it, and has been that way for 10 years, and with this being a lung-borne disease, it's a scary situation. I just have to be extra, extra careful. Yeah, so, so
0: you're able to still do business or you know are you having a hard time finding workers to go out and put the
1: roofs on? No, and so far as as long as they live in their little world they're they're pretty good uh as far as I know, shingles have not given anybody the the virus yet. so that's right and, that's right I think we're still considered uh necessary because. If if it's raining and it's raining in somebody's house, it's kind of hard to tell somebody they can't get that fixed.
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, and I did see that that like hardware stores and places like that are still considered essential uh, essential uh, industries, right. I guess, or essential stores, so they're not closing right. those down. So. You know, it's good to know that that hardware stores and liquor stores are are essential in my, our society.
1: So thank goodness for you, my bro. <laughs> one of my best friends here in town, however, he's in the dry cleaning business, and he's got five dry six dry cleaning stores around Tyler, in the surrounding area, and I visited with him, and this was about a week ago before it really started getting bad. But I visited with him about a week ago. And he said, over the last two weeks, he's down. He, he, he was no Walmart guy, and he counts his losses or gains based on the previous year. And he said he's down between thirty-five and forty percent a week right now.
0: Hmm. See, and, and that's kind of surprising for me for a dry cleaner because I know, yeah. You know, well, okay, maybe not. Yeah, you know, I'm still going to work every day. I'm still right. going to the hospital every day. So I'm, you know. Hey, I, I'm going to my dry cleaners every week. But if people are working from home, you don't have to dry clean
1: pajamas very often. <laughs> you don't have to dry clean pajamas and t-shirts. You know. That's right. So, That's right. Anyway, so, but so if you and, talk
0: to any other small business owners over there,
1: my well, my brother is a small business owner in the San Antonio area, and he's in the unique industry. He's in the rent-to-own industry, and it's kind of funny because in the rent-to-own industry, sometimes Hard times actually increase his business, but right now everybody's so questionable. He's been pretty flat. Yeah, yeah,
0: I would imagine so. So, uh, so it, I I looked today and it didn't look like your county. Had, I think y'all had about ten cases over there, and, right? And so, yeah, and, and that's you know that's something interesting too. And and I'd like to talk about this for a little bit. The shelter and the the shelter in place order. That some of the larger counties are putting in a place like a Dallas County or you know uh, Harris County down in Houston and even here McClendon County in Waco just did that as well. But uh, you know I, I was frankly kind of pleased that our governor uh, Governor Abbott didn't make it a mandatory for the state just because I mean you know he's smart to think this way. Yeah, you know, of the 254 counties in Texas, 200 still do not have cases. Because they're so sparsely populated, I mean, I know
1: you're a West Texas boy. My parents yeah, so. are. My parents are elderly. They live out in the country, forty-five miles from town. This hadn't really affected a whole lot that they do, except church. Now that they, they did live feed church for the first time, as many of us did this last week. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, I did. I did that too. Well and that's right. You know, I was I was talking to to somebody at my hospital today and they said, "Well, what do you think the difference is going to be with a shelter in place order?" I said, "Frankly, it just causes the the businesses who were insistent upon staying open and having their staff coming in, now they don't have that option. They've got to give their staff the the ability to to work from home if they can." Right. Uh but
1: but, you but know, hard just, hard good retailers like Bed Bath and Beyond and TJ Maxx and some of those stores, and then even the restaurants for the ser- for the servers. Oh, yeah. They're they laying off servers right and left. You can drive up and get food brought out to your car, but that's the biggest thing as I drive around looking at a roof or whatever. Today, I had to run to Lufkin and back. Usually, the city of Jacksonville driving through there is, is just crazy because it's just stoplight after stoplight after stoplight, after stoplight. Mhm. Been there. Know what you're talking about. Nobody on the streets.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh and 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 you're exactly right about the restaurants because you know, I've had some some friends of mine whose whose kids are are servers who said, you know, they're out of luck. And they've got, you know, they've got they've got rent to pay or whatever, and but they don't have a job. You know, but then you look at the big box retailers like a Walmart or You know, the large grocery store chains who are, you know, begging for people to come to work. I know You know, I heard Walmart's looking to hire 150,000 people, you know, and I I heard that
1: Amazon, Walmart and Costco were all hired. Yeah, I
0: I heard the same thing about Amazon, too. You know, uh, they uh, they were talking about how, you know, and they are truly an essential, uh, an essential employer because so many people now, you know, everybody's ordering from home. And right. so, you know, I'm I'm thinking whenever this is all done, you know, the first thing that we're going to do is people are going to be out socializing a lot, which is going to be great. But I also think that people are going to look around and see their, you know, their locally owned businesses that, you know, they're going to support them. I think you're going to see a real a real increase in in folks really trying to buy locally. And when I say locally, I mean from their hometown and from the folks who, you know, might not be in a chain restaurant or a big box or something like that. What do you think about
1: that? I I totally agree. And we've even tried we're obviously cooking more at the house than we oh yeah ever have, but but we're also when we go grab something to eat, trying to be cognizant of who of where we're going and, and trying to support the local guy as much as we can.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, and trying to, you know, I'm trying to tip a little bit more than usual just to, to try to help them out. Absolutely. So, well, I tell you, Cody, it's been great. You know, you've given a lot of perspective on a couple of topics that I know people are, are really interested in during
1: these strange times. And so, Uh, brother it's always good to talk to you great to talk to you tell michelle and the girls we said hello and y'all just uh, i will do it stay safe out there and you tell val and and your family uh that i said the same you know
0: practice that social distancing but when we're done everybody's going to get a big hug
1: everybody's getting a sick of bear (laughs) hug
0: (laughs) that's right that's right
1: all right take care buddy all right thanks bye-bye thanks bye
0: wow that kind of brings everything home doesn't it you know I I was really happy to hear uh what uh what Cody had to say about about really trying to work collaboratively with a long-term care facility when they're limited on on resources and staff and and uh you know everybody is is trying to do things that you know they've never had to do before and uh, a lot of decisions are made and And some are some are great in the beginning, but some you just got to go back and rethink. And so but also, you know, it's encouraging to hear that there's still a lot of small businesses out there that that are are doing that are doing pretty well during these tough times. And so as we were talking about towards the end, once we come out of this, you know, support your local small businesses, you know, support those local restaurants and, and the local stores that that uh, are going to need a little bit of extra help uh for who knows months uh at least uh trying to make sure that that the dream that they had you know many years ago in opening a a small business you know let's try to help them keep that dream alive so with that i'm going to say uh Hey, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. You know, we're going to continue on the COVID-19 series and, and, and think about it from really different angles versus just a straight, you know, healthcare angle. Hey, it'd be easy for me to, to bring in an, an infectious disease physician in or somebody from the sta- state or, or city health department, but you're getting that everywhere else. You know, I want to I want to get you information from people that that are living COVID nineteen in a little bit different way than what we might typically think of. And so, with that, uh, I'll say uh, uh, goodbye to you. Uh, thanks for listening. If you have any ideas, always please uh, feel free to send those in by email uh, to I don't care at If you've got any ideas or Or, hey, if you've got an interesting story to tell, I'd be happy to hear that too. So with that, take care, and we'll be talking to you next week.